Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, you are listening to Freight 360. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right, welcome back for episode Ocho Ocho. That's 88 of Freight 360. Ben, that's got a nice uh, ring to it, 88 Ocho Ocho. Yeah. We're here in the middle of May. It's getting into spring, getting some sunshine. The economy is going nuts. We got pipelines shut down and fuel not available in certain states. It's going to be a good episode, but we're going to also talk about finance on this episode and as it relates to freight brokers and some of the really important things that you need to understand, whether you're an agent, an employee of a brokerage, or you have a, you're a licensed broker, these are all really, really important things to understand um, and really the role of the freight broker as a financier per se. So again, welcome back to Freight 360. There's 87 other episodes. Make sure you check all of them out. I know we've had a lot of folks reaching out to us lately, starting at the most recent and working their way back. Just make sure if you're listening to a part or a two-part or a three-part series, do those in order. Otherwise, it might be kind of weird, but uh, good stuff. Reviews are still rolling in. Five stars. Loving it. Keep referrals going. Ben, quick sports update here. The Derby, man. Kentucky Derby. Medina Spirit. Cleared for the Preakness. So it's Medina Spirit is how it's pronounced. I, I, there's a town in Western New York called Medina. Medina. That's where the golf and course I, is. That's so how I, you know, but apparently this horse is called Medina Spirit. Um the druggy horse actually was cleared to race in the Preakness this weekend. There was a big controversy that Bob Baffert, the owner, was he's got like seven or eight Derby wins now with his with his. The owner of the train, the trainer, Bob Baffert. Is, it, is that yeah. the trainer? Is that he's who the is? trainer? Correct. He's the yeah. guy with the white hair. He won last year, I think, too. Um, but anyway, a horse failed drug tests after the race. But they did a follow-on test. It ends up it was nothing. It was illegal. It's all good. Baffert gets another win under his belt. And uh, Medina Spirit gets to keep racing and maybe go for a triple crown. Who knows? But I doubt that's that a, horse is going to win again. That's always my favorite part about, I think, kind of for everybody, is not them that individually. It's like I get really excited to see if someone's, if one of the horses are going to make a run for the triple crown. I think in our lifetime uh, – when I was young, there was a, a horse called Cigar that almost won it, didn't, but didn't one win the Triple Crown a few years ago? American Pharaoh in 2015. Yeah. I remember. I watched I watched the third race, which is what Belmont stakes. Yep. And uh yeah, it was really cool. That was I think it's because uh that that race is usually in like June, I think. But uh yeah, American Pharaoh. Um, another sports news, NFL schedules dropping. We got week one, Buffalo Bills hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers one o'clock on opening Sunday in Orchard Park, New York. I'm wearing my Bill shirt right now. So Ben, we get to start off the season with another head to head matchup with our teams here. I think the Bills have beat the Steelers like the last two years in a row. So this year we're playing the Steelers again, and we're also playing Tennessee again. So we'll see how that game goes after they got beat up last year in like week five or whatever. But I'm just excited, man. We're getting we're getting to the fun, fun time of year. It's good stuff. So speaking of fun stuff, we got a lot of exciting things coming up with our friends 
over at DAT this year, but talk to us about DAT, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. Take the guesswork out of freight with DAT. The DAT Load Board Network is the largest on-demand freight marketplace in North America, connecting freight brokers with available capacity on any lane. Grow your business with tools that allow you to find new business partners, Plus, you can quickly qualify and onboard new carriers. And with the industry's leading freight rate data, you can make clear and confident pricing decisions. Make sure to check out the show notes for a free month of DAT Power, DAT Express, and... Trucker's Edge. But speaking of, we got some really exciting stuff with them. Our course is going to be launching in about three to four weeks tentatively. Um we're ready to launch group coaching through them in the next couple of weeks, which we're going to go live with. We're going to be speaking at their conference in October and Austin, Texas. I'm really excited for what we got going on. I know a lot of our listeners out there have been asking us about the group coaching and courses and things. So they are done and they will be ready to launch in the next week or so. So if you guys want more information, check us out at freight360.net. And that'll be updated soon as well. Also, even before the launch of the new website and everything with DAT, we'll have, uh, before four weeks from now, we will be able to uh, directly send you links to get into the coaching and the uh, the course. So yep. um, we'll make sure to post that stuff in our episode notes as soon as everything has the final touches put out. We put a lot of work into this and it's, I'm telling you, hands down, you could take our course up against, it would take it head to head against any other course out there. And ours, ours is by far the best. This is the reason why we made it. So I guess I kind of have to say that since it's up. Yeah. But the reason we know that was, let's be honest, like we went and took every course out there that we could find. You and I went through every other course that was there, saw what they did well, saw what we felt they could have done better. And then we tried to do better than everyone we went through. And it's not just instructional textbook. This is real world experience, real stories about real people. And this comes from the experience that you and I bring to the table. It's not just a textbook. So good stuff coming up there. Uh, Let's talk about a little news here in the freight industry. As most of you know, the Colonial Pipeline, which runs from, I think, Texas up to New Jersey, had a cyber attack, a ransomware attack. Uh, Allegedly, the Russians... Putin says they had nothing to do with it, but who knows? Either way, they had to shut down the uh, or stop the flow of the pipeline. It looks like it'll be up by this weekend, but that's there's a big issue there because there's a, I don't know, 12 to 15 states that that's their main supply. Yeah, of fuel. By far, it's like something like 80 or 90%. Oh, yeah. It's the largest one in the country. Yeah. Right. So it, I think it's like 300 million gallons a day or something like that. I Don't quote me on that because I barely remember the numbers when I read them earlier in the week, but it's huge because it's caused gas prices to go up. It's caused people to um, run fuel out of fear. It's a lot of fear purchasing, which then really, really sucks when, um, you know, if you're traveling, I'm going to be in South Carolina and Florida um, the second half of May and hope they got gas down there because no, they won't. Well, it's going to cause prices to go up, right? Supply and demand. It's the same thing that affects the, um, you know, the carrier rates and what it costs to cover a load. We actually have a Q and A question on this specifically. We'll talk about it at the end, but it's just been wild, man. You know what's weird though? A gallon for gas right now. It's that's and that's what you put in your car. That's not diesel. 
The I weird thing it. is like, it didn't affect us in South Florida, at least not yet. Like I know, cause well, I needed gas and I ran errands last night and there wasn't any lines at any of the stations. The pricing is pretty much the same, but we always tend to kind of pay more just where I live. I think it was like three fifty a gallon, but that's about what Ooh. it normally is. Three thirty. Yeah, we've, been, we've been in the mid twos here in Western New York. Um, the States that are getting hit bad. South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, Maryland. Um, yeah, to my knowledge. I mean, to the point where, like, there was gas stations that had no, absolutely no fuel left. None. Shut down. Yep. There, or there were lines, like, super long lines. You would think it was, like, people going to get COVID tested when they first open up the mass testing sites. But, uh, yeah. Crazy stuff. But it'll pass. This is a temporary thing. This too shall pass, but you'll likely hear drivers asking for some more or maybe having fuel issues. I mean, depending on where they're at, I mean, it's definitely a, a likelihood. Yep. They saw, I read an article on the same thing. They said it could possibly affect even air travel. I know some of the airports were changing flights because of their access to jet fuel. Yeah, there was a, I, I know for sure there was a couple flights that were um, canceled like I think there was two and then not just one flight, like that same lane, I guess you'd call it. They canceled it until they can get the fuel yep. stuff uh, worked out. So just, you know, one more thing to add to the pot of what affects pricing and rates. So good stuff, man. We got a topic on finance today. Um, if you are not a numbers person, you're going to learn a little bit here that uh, will make you smarter and stronger when it comes to the financial literacy uh, of business and freight brokering specifically. If you're a seasoned numbers and finance person, this is more sort of just a refresher for you, but there's a lot of people that don't truly understand the role of a freight broker when it comes to the movement of monies throughout the supply chain. So let's talk, we're gonna do like an overview on it. And then I wanna talk about, um, you know, the, the expenses that go into to brokering freight, talk about cash flow versus lines of credit versus factoring as options. And then we're going to dig into the AR and the AP side and give you guys all some knowledge. So uh, we won't get too deep into it because again, this, we don't have enough time to cover everything. Um, although our course has a really, really, really good breakdown of all these topics and a lot more detail. So you can always learn more by taking the freight broker basics course once we launch that here shortly. So Ben, an overview, let's talk about it. You're not just moving a load for a customer and having a, a carrier pick it up and deliver it. You are financing. You're giving, you're basically floating money. So talk to us about the broker's role in a staff or giving credit lines out and paying the carrier. And there's that gap of money there. And I think that's where a lot of people, <clears throat> there's not a lot of focus on this and not a lot of thought put into this from a lot of brokers out there because- well, if you're an agency, you kind of rely on, you know, the licensed brokerage to handle this. Or if you're a W-2, you just, hey, maybe you just click process credit and then the company kicks you back whatever your customer's allowed to borrow, right? Or yeah. whatever the credit is. And they don't even think is. about it as borrowing, but that's right. really what it is. And that's- say They're approved for this much. But what you don't, so you don't think about like what, what all goes into that and why they make those decisions. And we'll talk about that vetting process in a little bit here, but they are essentially, you're, you're loaning them in essence money. Exactly. It is a debt on their books. 
And that's, and it is, so on your books, it's an accounts receivable on their books, it's an accounts payable, but it is like, it is short-term financing. And if you think about this, right, a brokerage is an intermediary between a shipper and a carrier. So you have the shipper that pays, we'll just use an example, $1,000 over to the broker, the broker pays the carrier, whatever that is, right? But the timing gap is really what's important here because for any company, right, managing their finances and managing their cash flow is they want to pay their payables in the longest amount of time humanly possible. Every company wants to do this. They look at their terms and they go, okay, when do we need to pay these things? Because there is a value to time. It's literally the time value of money, right? Like the quicker you get it, the more it's worth. That's why you'll see things on like, a vendor agreement that says like 210 net 30. What that really means is you have 30 days, net of 30 days, and you receive a discount for paying it within that. So if you pay it 10 days earlier, you get 2% points off below what you're going to pay. Yeah. So the the big picture here on the managing cash flow, I'm going to use super, super generic numbers here. I know they change from every company to every company and every carrier to carrier and all that stuff and every shipper. Well, for simplicity, we're going to use 30 days, okay? A lot of brokers will try to do, they'll try to have net 30 to their customers and pay net 30 to their carriers. And they assume that my customers will all pay within 30 days and my carriers will all get paid within 30 days. That is not the case though. So here's what actually happens. A lot of, first of all, shippers, they're going to pay you whenever they want to pay you. A lot of them will just tell you we pay in 45 or we pay in 60, or if you have some large, like your Walmarts, they're paying in 90 or 120. And that's just the way that it is. And that's a business decision you have to make. So on average, they're still going to pay in slower than 30 days across the board. Your carriers though, you have to pay them in 30 days or less. Otherwise you're gonna have a really bad rating on uh, that or wherever that they're gonna find you and vet you out. And on top of that, fuel advances, quick pays, you're sending money out same day, you're sending money out one day after delivery, sometimes five days. Some, take a step and back. Some brokers. Right. Take a step back. So I want to unpack yep. what you just said right there. So you think about this, right? Just the time value of money. So you have your shippers, they're incentivized to keep their money and their accounts as long as possible. And the reason the larger shippers with more freight have longer, the ability to pay over longer terms is because they have the leverage. The carriers want to work with them. The brokers want to work with them and they're willing to wait to be paid. So from their point of view, absolutely, they have the longest time frame. Now, the other side, think about the carrier. The carriers are basically as a course of business required to be paid within 30 days or the brokerage gets penalized and then they become an unfavorable broker to work with from the carrier's point of view. Now, the important piece is, it's the same premise, right? The faster the carrier wants to get paid, the less money they get. Those fees go up, right? If they want to get paid in the neck by the next day, it's the highest fee, like 5%. If they want to get paid yep. in seven days, maybe it's 3%. So it's the same thing on both sides of the fence, except for your shipper, they use leverage based on who they are. Your carriers usually get to determine and choose how quickly they want to get paid and exactly how much they're willing to pay for that convenience. And that's just it. And they're, I'm going to take it one step further. You've got some brokerages that are, they're, they pride themselves so much in being a quality broker that's 
that's going to be favorable to, to carriers that they will offer a, a 14 day standard pay or a 10 day standard pay, yeah. or they might even offer, you know, a, a, a quick pay at no expense because, you know, you saved them on that load. You know, I know, I know plenty of folks that have done that. Hey, we're going to waive the quick pay fee for you and we'll get your payment out tomorrow or today. So, um, but that comes at a cost. Like I said, the, co- the time value of money, right? Yeah. So what does this mean then? So you have, we're just going to use round numbers here. Let's say you have a gap of 30 days or more between when you're receiving your average invoice payment and when you're paying your average carrier bill, all right? So now you have a, at a minimum, a month or so's worth of carrier pay that you have to be able to float, all right? And the more business you do, the higher that number is. And we're not even talking about any of your office expenses, your payroll, your insurance, keeping your bond, your technology tools, none of that. This is just your carrier pay. And the important piece is your profits also rolled in there, right? Because you don't actually get the profit until you collect from your customer, right? So all of these things are delayed. And just for round numbers, say you're doing 25,000 a week in gross sales with your customer, right? Or with your carriers and customers. So your first week, you've got 25K and you're paying that out to the carriers. And we're just going to assume you're paying them out after the first day. And we're going to assume you're getting your 5%. So you got 25K out the door in your first week, still no payment from your customer. 25K out the door the second week. We're going to assume you did the same amount of business, still no payment. 25K out to your carriers third week. Now by your fourth week, you will have spent another 25K bringing yeah, the you're total grand now. $100,000 yeah. you have outlaid and you have still not gotten paid or will get paid by your shipper on average somewhere around then. But also your monthly bills don't wait until you get paid either. Like they're going to have to go out usually throughout the month, whenever they're due and your employees need paid. And all of that usually comes out of the profit, but you have this gap where you're going to have to front load and pay all of your expenses, pay your employees, pay their compensation, pay your carriers, and then have to wait to get your money from your customers. And that's what a lot of brokerages don't think through. Yeah. And again, not every carrier gets paid a one day quick pay, but we're we're just using that as an example because it it goes to show that gap and that gap, it's different for every company based on who your customers are, when they pay. And oh, by the way, if you invoice them incorrectly because you missed a PO number, guess what? Their day zero or day one of their net 30 doesn't start until you correctly invoice them. And that happens. So, the, the bottom line here is you're going to have a gap and it's probably three days or so of, of carrier pay plus all of your other monthly expenses and your overhead. That is why good business, smart business people always recommend you have what's called retained earnings or cash on hand of somewhere between three to six months of your total expenses to make sure that if, whether it's business drops and your expenses stay the same or for that gap in cash flow, Whatever it is, it keeps you cash healthy and not cash poor. Um, now, that is if you are to cash flow, right? And I don't want to dig too deep into this. We can get too detailed, but you got other options, lines of credit, factoring. What do you got, Ben? I know you're about to hop so, in here with something. So two of the things. The one thing and I want to go through is one of the more common mistakes that we've seen is that 
brokerages that are tight on cash or that aren't constantly prospecting and they're not putting the activity in and they're not getting new customers and they're not growing, right? We've seen customers that will use factoring to be able to get the money from their customers faster. And then they're using that to live on rather than pay the carriers. And that is a very dangerous game to play. So let's talk, I'm going to give you just a super high level on factoring. We've talked about it in the past with, uh, we had one of the factoring companies on with us, but um, in a nutshell, factoring, there's a couple of different ways you can do it, but essentially someone else is for, fronting you money, whether you're straight up selling your invoices to them or they're going to front you and you still have full record, or they have recourse on you if the customer doesn't pay their bill. Either way, basically we'll say ABC factoring, you give them, you have an invoice for a thousand dollars, they'll give you usually like 95% of it or something like that up front upon delivery of that load or whenever they get the invoice. And then they'll give you the money so you can go pay the carrier, right? Now, once the customer pays the invoice, they will then give you the remainder of that money minus their fee. So on average, you might see 90% or 95% given to you. And then the other 5%, they're going to maybe keep 3% and give you the other 2%. So- That's our, that's digging into your margin right there. So now you're losing three, you know, two, three, 4% just to factor that and not have to have the cash on hand. It digs into your bottom line. So, yeah. And then if if you're paying, and then if you're eating a fee to the carrier side, you can be six, seven percentage points already off your bottom line before you even start. And if you're quoting things skinny where you're only making 10%, like, if you're not realizing this is happening, that 10% isn't 10%. It's really six, maybe four, yeah. and you've got to cover your expenses. And I think that's where a lot of brokerages don't stop to know what is their break even per load. Like, what do they need to make as a percentage to cover their expenses after all these things are happening? Right. And yep. this is where, like, it's not like you need to dig into this on a daily basis, but you should be very well aware of where your break even is for all of these things to make sure, because it could seem on the face of it, like you're profitable, like, oh, hey, you know, I made, you know, 500 bucks on this load, but maybe it was 8%. And maybe after you're factoring on both sides and your quick pay, you only made 2%. Yeah. So, um, and I like that you brought up that figure out your break even. It's going to be different for every company and it's going to be a moving target as your business changes. Uh, a company I used to work for, they they implemented a minimum profit per load for their agents before they would get paid. And they they picked $50. So you, you have to make, so the company, the brokerage had to keep at least $50 of that profit before a single penny of commission was paid out. Um, if the commission after the split allowed the brokerage to keep the $50, they were fine. The agent got their full commission. And the reasoning was they said with all the overhead, the cost of the financing portion and, and everything that goes into it, it took $50 to break even as a company to move a full truckload shipment. And I think it's because at the time, the average truckload shipment uh, profited like it was like $282, um, 50 of which was just going to pay the expenses to move that load. And the rest then was agent commission, company profit, et cetera. So let's pause there and unpack that too. So for anybody out there to come up with what your break even per load is, right? You need to know what all of your monthly expenses are. 
You need to know what your variable expenses are, whether it's factoring, quick pay, or anything you pay as a portion of the number, right? Um, those are your variable. Your fixed costs are, you know, your IT bill every month. You're paying for broadband, paying for your phones, paying for leases, PMS, CRM. All of those are your fixed. You pay them every month, no matter how much business you do. Your variables will change with the amount of business. So you add all of those up and you divide it by your average number of loads you ran last month. And that should give you a really good idea on what you need to make per load to cover that requirement, that monthly nut. On average, because you can have big winners and you can have some losers. We're looking at an average here. So, and if you don't make more than that break even, you're you're basically running a business for free. Yes. That's not fun. You own, you own your job that pays you nothing. So, and you're not going to last very long. But we want right. to talk, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, lines of credit and where they are used. You don't see a lot of brokerages getting a traditional line of credit and then taking that traditional line of credit to fund or cash flow brokerage. But what you do see commonly is what Nate referred to earlier is not everybody has the ability to put all this money away into a trust or an account before they go into business. And not everybody that is out there has been in business long enough to have retained earnings either. And one other option you can do to be able to free up some cash or the, avail- the availability of cash access to it is through a line of credit. You can get a mortgage on either the commercial property that your business is in, if you own it, or you can get like a second or third mortgage on your home where you don't need to borrow it, but you have access to it in case you need it. That way, hey, if something goes wrong, you get a claim or you don't get paid and it gets pushed out because of an issue, you have the ability to go on that line of credit, draw from it, pay whatever you need to and give you some timing until you get that money and then pay it back. And I would say if you can avoid getting a line of credit, it'll keep you sleeping good at night because no, I, I can't imagine any new broker feeling good about having their personal house leveraged on a a HELOC or a home equity line of credit. So I'll tell you the reality though, the reality though, Nate is, I mean, I've, you know, worked through hundreds of small business loans when I used to do that for a bank. And I mean, it is absolutely the rule and not the exception that, you know, the first three years of any small business, they're usually their homes up for collateral. Really all of their assets are because, you know, it's a new venture. They're risky. And I mean, so it's pretty common practice, but absolutely, if you can avoid it, you get profitable out of the gate and you can retain some of the amount of money you're making, retained earnings, make sure you're putting that away. Make sure you're not living paycheck to paycheck. It is not the same thing as when you go and work for a company and you got a salary. So I had a, as an agent that I used to work with years ago, um, he went off to do his own thing, but he grew a massive agency. We're talking like 30, $40 million a year in top line sales. Now his hurdle to go start his own brokerage was not being, he would, they figured out he was going to need like a two or $3 million line of credit from the bank to yep. manage his cash flow. Those are huge numbers, man. And you know, you, Think about if they want collateral, he had to be able to show that much in assets. So, yep. well, more than that in assets, because a line of credit, if you're going to, like, if it's, let's say that you use your house. Loan to value is not 100. They're yes. not going to give you 100%. They're going to give you, usually it's like 75 or 80% or something like that, if not less. But And yeah, that's and that's thing. assuming you own that property free and clear and you don't already have a mortgage, which most people do. I mean, the average person right. doesn't own their home free and clear. 
So the, here's the way I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to get too deep into it, but the way that I see most people succeed is that they will, um, they will use things like a line of credit or factoring only as long as they need to before they can self-sustain. And that becomes a beautiful thing. And you're, you're every dollar that you make, you're going to keep every penny of profit and not pay it out in financing fees. So, all right. That was a, that was a handful of info there on mm-hmm. cash flowing and all that stuff. I want to, I want to peel back the layers here as we talk about the AR and AP um, a little bit here. So everyone has a bigger understanding. Well, before you go into AR and AP, what I want to just define is what is cash flow. All cash flow is, is the amount of time it takes from when you earn a dollar, when you make a dollar for it to go out and to come all the way back in. Like yeah, it's the relationship awesome. between, in, a, in an inventory company, it's really just your inventory versus like when you sell it versus when you buy more inventory, when you have to pay that money and then you get your money back. It's just the timing yep. of every dollar. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So AR, all right. Accounts receivable. This is the the side of the equation that involves your customer and billing them. Think about this. You go to the store and you buy a laptop. You pay money at the point of sale. You go to a shipping customer and you move a shipment for them. They don't pay at the point of sale. They pay, like we said, that net 30 or whatever, or whenever they decide. It could be 45 days, 50 days. They're going to pay whenever. So you're extending a line of credit. Now the AR accounts receivable is all the money due to come in. All right. So we want to talk about the, there's a vetting process that you're going to go through. Now, some of you folks that are newer at brokering, you might have had an account that's set at prepay or just denied. We're not going to work with them. There's a reason for this. Okay. It could be, uh, you know, basically when a customer gets set up, whoever's doing the vetting process, if you're well, a one through person that. show, Walk through that for us. Walk through what Absolutely. customer vetting looks like. Like, hey, yep. I'm calling you, Nate. Hey, we got a new customer. I want to know how much we can yeah. run. What's the process? Yeah, this is like? good. This is good. So you're, there's a few things you're going to look at. And there's uh, companies out there that will provide this credit information. Similar to like if you go to get uh, an auto loan or a mortgage, they're going to do a, they're going to take a look at your credit, your personal credit. It's the same thing exists for companies, right? So the same reporting agencies that do consumer credit have business um, capabilities as well when it comes to looking at credit and risk. So they're going to look at, on average, what is your days to pay? Are you paying your average? Is the customer paying their average invoice in 30 days? Because a lot of the ones that I see, they're like 50, 55, 45, and they're on that 30, but they're not paying them in 30 days. That's where that gap comes in. So we're going to look at days to pay. We're going to look at the outstanding balance of what they have, right? Versus how much do they make in a year as far as their revenues? You can kind of see how much debt are they using? How risky of a company are they? If they have one bad season throughout the year, are they going to collapse as a company, go belly up and you're going to lose all your money and not get paid on it? So we're going to look at things like that. Um, You can usually get everything you need on an established company through a report. So like a company like Ansonia, they're fairly good. There's a couple of um, accounts receivable insurance companies like Euler and QBE, where they will actually insure your credit lines to your customers and they will do all the vetting for you, give you a risk score and approve X amount. And if the customer doesn't pay, they got you covered for the majority of it. So um, we're looking at risk overall here. Is this customer going to pay their bills? And when are they going to pay their bills? What priority am I in the list of people they owe money to? So that's essentially what we're looking at on the AR side of betting. Does that make sense, Ben? Makes perfect sense. And now think about this. 
everybody's gone through the same thing. It's what a credit card company does for you personally when you apply for one. They look at your credit score, which is basically just how many how many people have you said you would pay and you actually paid and how many of them did you pay on time? On time. How many times were paid 30, 60, 90, 120 late or 120 plus? And all of those things go into a number that figures out your credit score. And all that score is an easy way for other companies to be able to determine your ability to repay the amount of money you're asking for. And then if you're going to get a small business loan, the other thing they look at is what Nate said, and this is how you value a company's ability to pay is also their income and expenses. Are they, are they really skinny? Are they basically just surviving and they're racking up debt as they go? And what that looks like inside these agencies is they start paying their bills later. As the company does worse, they don't have the ability to pay. So they start pushing out their accounts payable farther and farther. And the farther out they go, the more risky that company is and the less likely they are to pay your freight bill. And it is not uncommon in the freight industry for a manufacturer or a shipper or any company that ships goods that doesn't have enough money to pay their vendors to go work with another broker and just say, hey, I need help onboard a broker, ship with them for a week, not pay their bill for 60 days. And then they go back and pay all the other people. Like that happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely true. That's it. So another thing here too, is I just want to mention it, you know, if a, as customers pay slower, so maybe now this customer that was paying in 45 days is now paying in 60. That's 15 more days to your cash flow that has to get floated. So there's a cost to this. That is why if you're a, if you're an employee of a larger brokerage, if your credit team says, sorry, we can't set these, these this customer up, or we can, but they're prepaid, they have to wire us money or pay on a card. Uh, this is why. It's all about risk and if they're going to get paid. Now, I will tell you this. If you have a brand new customer, they're a new company, they don't have a whole lot of history, there's no data on them. Maybe you want to start them off on some different terms, right? You can do, hey, let's you know, let's move a couple loads for you and pay us upon delivery. If you do that and you do what you said you would do, okay, we'll move it up to 15 day terms. You can establish some relationship and history. And then a couple months down the road, they're doing what they said they would do. We're going to give them 30 day or whatever, you know, whatever they are asking for. You can build up a rapport and a relationship with them. Now, additionally, the amount of credit that you give them they might only give you, maybe your company says, oh, we can only give them 10 grand, but they want 50. Well, that means your customer is willing to take some risk, but they're going to limit the amount of potential risk they take until they get some traction with this customer and some history. Yep. Their exposure. Exactly. Now, and then payment terms. And I mentioned this earlier, right? And everybody's seen this. You see the two, the little line, it looks like a fraction of 10, and then it says net 30. Those are the most common ones. And what that means, right, in regards to those terms is that that person or, you know, that entity is eligible for a 2% discount if they pay earlier, if they pay within 10 days. So why companies do this is they, they know their customers are going to pay in their average 30 days or 35 days. So what they do is they want to incentivize their customers to pay sooner and reward them. So, hey, I'll knock 2% off your entire invoice if you pay me within 10 days instead of 30 days. And that's another way that you can also get money in your door quicker and reduce some of that exposure and risk. Yes, you get a little bit less of it, but this is a direct result oh without a factoring company. 
Yep. You'll also see the other side of it too, where brokers will tack on like a one to 2% fee if it's after. Yes. Late. The, uh, if, it, if it's late. Yeah. So, yep. which very rarely ever actually gets paid, but uh, yeah. yeah, it is what it is. Um, and I'll tell you, there's a lot of companies out there that they, they take the option to get that, to make the faster payment to get the discount. Like companies like, for example, like Amazon, um, a lot of federal shippers as well. They are on just, they're on just payment schedules. They're, they're all their payables for this are getting paid every, every Friday or whatever. They're gonna, yep. You got shippers that pay in 15 days. They're very hard to get in with and your margin is going to be slimmer, but helps your cash flow out. So interesting. Good stuff. Now, let's talk about payables a little bit here. We'll go to the other side of the house, right? The carrier side. So we just kind of talked all about your customer paying you. Now let's talk about you paying your carriers. So now you, you're kind of like the customer, right? And the, the carrier now becomes the person like you. Uh, so payment terms to carrier. We mentioned 30 days, but to become an attractive broker, preferred broker, you're going to offer things like quick pays, um, and advances, right? So advances can be a huge benefit for carriers being offered by the broker. It's a huge advantage and a huge value add, but it comes at a very expensive cost. And that cost is not just monetary. It also is, is risk, okay? You're advancing, it could be a fuel advance. It could be an advance for a lumper. Lumper being, you know, there's a third party that had to load or unload the truck at a distribution center, often seen with like produce and things like that. Um, but there's fraud and there are also more often than fraud as a carrier that, uh, does not fulfill their promise and you've already advanced that money. Okay. Well, speaking of advances, so that is why brokers say, again. I was just going to ask you before you went past that, I was gonna, like, what, what do you guys do for your advances as a percentage of fuel? And yep. why do you do that? Because that's the biggest so, place for fraud. Exactly. So I'm going to talk two things, what we do, and then also the limit on it. So my next thing I was going to say was, this is why smart brokers will put limits and requirements on advances. So, and it's very common um, across a lot of good brokerages is that they will do a, a limit of no more than 40% of the line haul rate to that carrier. Okay. So if your carrier has a, an all-in rate of $1,000, you would never advance them more than $400 for fuel. Because again, a fuel advance is meant for fuel. It's not meant for them to run their business and, you know, have cash flow for everything. It's literally, it's an advance intended for fuel, but carriers will use it to help fund their overall cash flow of their business. Now, as a requirement, a smart broker will say, I need a, I need a, a list of things to make sure I'm not being fraudulent, fraudulent, wow, fraudulently screwed over here essentially by a carrier. Couldn't, couldn't get that one out. Because um, let's, you know, let's think about it. If you don't have any you know, any safeguards, some carrier with, I could just call up a broker and give them an MC number and say, yeah, I'll have a truck there. Yep. I'm loaded. Send me my money and I will get a, you know, fuel advance. It's like, what? How do you even know it's real? So you'll want things like a signed bill of lading that proves that that carrier did in fact pick up the load. You will also want something like a, a cab card or registration card for that specific truck and the driver's license of the person receiving that payment, all right? Um, my company, Pierce Worldwide, we go a step further. As part of our carrier onboarding, we make sure that the whoever is executing that contract, usually it's like the, it could be an operations manager or whatever, 
they have to either opt in or opt out of letting their drivers receive advances. So if they say, no, we don't want our drivers to receive advances, that prevents any potential fraud from a driver that they hired, taking an advance and just jump and ship and running off with it. Um, now, if they did become, if they did opt in and allow their drivers to receive advances, we are then covered if it, if it was fraudulently done by one of their employees. Um, well, here's the other. So there's, thing. you know, there's kind of two sides to it. And the other reason Those are for the that, that I would recommend is, at, at a minimum, you got to have a signed bill waiting and talk to your customer and say, "Hey, they picked up. Everything good? Yes. All right, cool." At least call the shipper to verify Ooh. that they they picked up and loaded. Make sure that you've got more than one person verifying this. The other reason you want a percentage of it and not be willing to advance all of it is the fact that like trucks break down, trucks don't always make it to delivery, and it is yeah. much harder to reconcile it if you've laid out all of that cash. You it's Pretty much crazy. more difficult to get yeah. it back. If they've got yep. to transload it, don't make it to delivery and you've got to get another truck on it. It becomes a nightmare. Yeah. Like I've worked through them and it, it becomes a lot. Yeah. Think about it. Say you got a short run, right? Maybe it's a $500 load and they got advanced um, 200 bucks, right? But then they ended up, they were late, they broke down. And for whatever reason, your customer's fines added up to be so much that you've already, you've if you gave them more than that 40% or whatever, you run the risk of having already paid them more than they actually deserve to get paid. And what are you going to do? Like, oh, now you have to pay me back with what I overpaid you. Oh, not to mention there's the fees associated with your quick pay or your, uh, your fuel advance. So that's yeah, wild, man. It's wild. It's, it's dangerous stuff. And it's, it's stuff that you have to make sure that you're, you are looking at and you put a policy in place. I'm not going to say there's a right or wrong, right or wrong way to establish credit lines or to pay carriers or to do advances or to manage cash flow, but just make sure whatever you do, you you and your team, if you have a team, everyone put their brains together. You're looking at every little situation and making sure that this makes sense. We're going to stick to it and we're not going to make um, exceptions to policy that don't need to be made. So. And here's the other thing, and I think this is really important to understand, is that most of the carriers out there, they're small businesses, right? Most of them have less than 20 trucks. A lot of them have less than 10. A lot of them are owner-ops, right? It, they're small businesses. They don't have large bankrolls. Like They depend on driving and what they're getting and negotiating to not only just make a living, but to like literally pay their bills. Right. And a lot of these small businesses, like they can't, they can't float months of cash flow or even weeks, sometimes even days. Right. A lot of these carriers, like they need the cash quickly to be able to operate because they don't have retained earnings. And it's because, I mean, for the same reason, the average homeowner in the United States or the average American, like can't, can't make it more than like a month without a paycheck. Like, we're not savers, we're consumers as a country. And this is very apparent in the carriers. So this is very valuable to trucking companies is their ability to quick pay. That's why it's so important when you give it to them because like, it means a lot. Like you said earlier, you gave an example, like, hey, you guys really helped me out on this. I'll waive the quick pay fee. Well, the quick pay fee is great, but to be honest, what really matters is the fact that they get the cash quicker. Um, yeah. They do not operate in any way the same way your customers are. Your customers are well-financed. They usually own real estate. They've got inventory. They have collateral. On the carrier side, a lot of them don't have offices. They, they run out of their homes. Their assets are the trucks, which are already borrowed against to buy the truck. They're not paid for in cash. 
there isn't a whole lot there. That's why this is so important, why they need the capital so much quicker than the other side of the business. Yeah. It's a, it's a wild animal, man. It's a wild animal. And you know, the, the times of year when we tend to see, I'm going to go through a couple times a year. So um, let's talk about the end of the year. You approach the holiday season. This is when I have historically seen an increase in uh, quick pays and fuel advances. Folks are getting towards the end of the year, getting towards the holidays. They're spending more on their personal lives than they normally do. Um, maybe saving up for holiday gifts, things like that. You're going to see a lot of these smaller trunk companies take advances or quick pays towards the end of the year. Now let's talk about potential fraud when it comes to advances, all right? Tends to be around the holiday, the long holiday weekends when uh, brokers and shippers are just trying to quickly get everything covered before their three or four day long weekend. So we got Memorial Day coming up at the end of May, right? So Memorial Day is a hot time for fuel advance fraud. So this is a great time for you all to be making sure you're checking checking, double checking, triple checking that you've got a signed bill of lading, driver's uh, license number or driver's license and uh, their registration for their truck. So uh, Labor Day is another big one, 4th of July. Um, pretty much whenever people are going into a, a couple days of shutting down operations and just trying to quickly get everything out the door and set up before they take some time off. That's when things get overlooked very quickly and easily. So yeah, good stuff. Finance, man. I think it's just, I, it, it is really an often overlooked area of the business. And you know what? Somebody said this to me the other day. It's an owner of a brokerage we work with. And they, during COVID, what happened was um, like a batch of their checks that they mailed didn't get there. It wasn't any fault of the businesses. It was just an issue with, I actually, I think it was an issue with like shipping and transportation with COVID and just the mail going out and it, they, the bills just didn't get paid until like an extra four weeks later. And then they arrived and everybody got paid, but their credit rating took a hit because of this. Right. And this guy says to me, he's like, Ben, like, I didn't realize how much this business is more like banking and funding. And I was like, oh, what do you mean? He's like, well, my credit took a hit for, you know, the, the four or five weeks until we could resolve it. Like we lost a lot of our carrier base. A lot of carriers wouldn't pick up with us. We noticed that we weren't getting as many calls on posts or our load volume covered went down significantly. Like this is more important than I think it ever seems because until it goes wrong, you don't realize how important it is. It just seems yep. like something that happens in the background. But when you don't put the policies in place to make sure you're doing things prudently to make sure that like you're actually profitable, that you're covering this gap, that money is going into retained earnings and that you're planning for these things when they go wrong, like can sink your business. Yeah, hundred percent. So I want to give a couple of uh, tips on how to make this process of the finance and um, cash flow process go smoother and eliminate some issues. So um, I want to talk about the online customer and carrier portals, as well as your TMS. So um, make sure when it comes to the TMS, don't take shortcuts and try to save 50 bucks a month by getting a, a crappy TMS. Get one that has the invoicing capability, has the carrier pay capability, has the ability to make sure you're tracking all your due out invoices and the age of those invoices. Aging means how old is it? If it's aged 30 days, it means it was sent 30 days ago and they haven't paid it. If it's aged 60 days, it's been 60 days since the invoice was sent. Um, 
That's your TMS. Now, customer and carrier portal. There are plenty of programs out there that if you don't want to get your own website built, which I do recommend, but if you aren't there yet, you can partner with other companies to create an online portal for your customers and for carriers. So carriers can log in. They can submit their documents that way. They can put their invoice and their signed bill of lading, POD, rate confirmation, all right into an online portal. Just upload. They're not emailing it over and hoping it gets through. They're uploading it. It tells them successful. It's uploaded. Good to go. And they can get their estimated pay date for their load and the payment status, right? Same thing for the customer side. Your customer can go in there, see all their invoices, see how much they owe in total when they're due. They can submit payments that way if you have it set up. Um, a lot of customer portals online will go a step further and offer, offer operational tools like um, GPS tracking and whatnot. That's not the topic of today's episode, but those are huge value adds for your carrier base and for your customers. They will want to work with you because the process has less friction, just easier. Makes their job way easier. So that's my little tidbit on portals and using your TMS. That's what they're for. People don't use, people don't use them. That was a great, that was a great segue. Speaking of outsourcing, tell us about our friends over at Lean. Lean, Lean Solutions Group, man. We, we love it. So we're going to be seeing, seeing Trey next week. He's not, uh, not going to be on the podcast, I don't think, next week, but we are going to be, he's going to be joining us in the Cross Kowalski Golf Classic, right? So our friends over at Lean, whether it is technology or staffing or sales support, marketing help, Lean, those are their four main areas. They've got Lean Staffing, they've got Lean Tech, Lean Marketing, and uh, lean sales. Yeah, that's literally what they're called. Yeah. Right? And so this is, if you're a newer brokerage and you're looking to hire that first person and you don't know what to do, instead of just trying to launch an agent program and hire 1099 people or whatever, you can go to a company like Lean. Lean is our trusted friend that does this. They have what's called near shore staffing, right? So they've got folks that are on this side of the world. They're just a little bit South, right down in Colombia. And they are trained in brokerage and specifically in whatever role you're looking to hire for, like operations, right? Maybe you want someone that's going to help you with covering loads, building your carrier network up, dispatching drivers, you name it. They've even got account executives that can help you on the sales side. If you're, if you're ready to and comfortable to bring someone on to help you out with sales and growing your book of business, they can help fill those seats with experienced folks. So I love it. Check them out at leangroup.com. There's a link in the episode notes if you want to learn more. Talk to our buddy Trey Greggs over at Lean for all your needs. Like we said, they're making our website right now. And we looked at it last week. Dude, it looks awesome. Our our current website, I don't know, it's a little dark. It looks like it's super, I mean, we were originally the Midnight Freight Broker. That's why we had, went with the color scheme. But now we've got this new vibrant blue and green. I love it, man. Yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait till we're ready to launch it and get it out there. That's right. All right. Got a couple of questions here to wrap up the episode. So speaking of the pipeline that we talked about earlier, first question, uh, user asks, are any carriers in the Southeast being affected by the pipeline shutdown? Um, so the, I don't personally own any trucks that are operating in the Southeast. Um, I will tell you that my company has assets in the Southeast and there it's uh, a lot of it is just, it's diesel in general is, um, there's a slight impact on it. Costs have gone up. It is not shutting down transportation though, but you're going to see an effect just like you would see if there was bad weather or if there's, you know, just driver shortage and any number of variables that'll affect the, uh, the, the overall market. 
this just adds to it. So yeah, there's some effects that we're seeing from this, but nothing that's, you know, no, nothing's on fire. Okay. <laughs> no pun intended with the lack of fuel, but uh, good stuff. Um, next question. Ben, next question. Does being a woman give you an advantage in brokering? So the, somebody asked this, the, the reason being there are a couple of designations that you can get as a business owner. Um, you could be like a veteran owned business. You could be a woman owned business. There's all, all kinds of designations that will allow you to, um, you, you get basically like a preferred status with some government contracts, right? So um, yes, I think there is benefit if you are operating that market though, right? I mean, it doesn't if do you you capitalize on it, right? Like yeah. one, I, I mean, I know, I know women-owned businesses, we, we coach a few of them. Um, some of them are leveraging it and they're trying to do more business with the shippers that will prioritize women and minority-owned businesses. Um, but, we, yeah. you know, we work with some that don't. Um, it, it all depends. I mean, there are some available there, um, I think. So I guess the answer is yes, but it depends yeah. on whether or not you there, leverage There's them. an organization as well. It's called Women in Trucking, so WIT. And they, they do a conference, I think it's every single year, um, and it really focuses on those women-owned brokerages. Uh, I mean, you could just say in general, like being being anything, right? If you have something in common with other people, and you all get together and you bring your your ideas and your visions together, it's going to be awesome. So, like women women in trucking, right? Or let's say you're in an organization that's like a produce organization with a bunch of produce brokers. If you take advantage of being in that realm or, you know, whatever you get together and you guys all learn from each other, there's an advantage to anything really. Now, as far as being a woman versus just being a, a guy as a brokerage rep, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Um, unless, you know, uh, no, I don't, I don't know. I was going to say like, if, if a, you got a shipper that's trying to flirt with you, but that could go the other way around too. You could have a guy that is flirting or a girl that's flirting with yep. a guy. So I don't know. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know um, I know a handful of people that have used that woman-owned or the veteran-owned. Uh, there's my minority-owned. There's a whole bunch of designations, and if you use them properly, absolutely, I think you can capitalize on them and, and make a little bit um, do do a little bit more business. So usually on the federal side, I don't know anything outside of federal. Do you? Maybe state. There's probably state some kind of- state side. I, I off the top of my head, I wouldn't know. I have to yeah. look at. Good stuff though. Good questions. Mm. Love it. Love it. Um, if you are a TIA member, we're going to be digging into this finance topic on a uh, coaching session next week um, in more, a little bit more detail. So, and again, if you want to learn more about this topic in general, Freight Broker Basics course coming, coming to a Freight 360 University online near you soon. I just kind of made that up, but uh, good stuff. I think that's what our and- LMS is actually called though. I saw that oh, yeah, somewhere in the past couple of days. It said free 360. Yeah, free 360 University. university. Yeah. <laughs> Unteachable. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, man. Well, Good I'm stuff. excited for next week, man. We'll be doing our first episode in person. Yeah. Down in Florida. Weather's, look, weather's predicted to be just beautiful, man. Just 80s, right. 80s and sunny. Every day, brother. <laughs> getting some golfing. Yeah, right. Getting some golfing. What's the course we're playing at? Plantation Preserve. Really nice course. Down in- Plantation, Florida. That's down near Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale. Right? Yep. Nice. Really nice course. 
really good shape. Nice driving. So that'll be episode 89. Episode 89 will be coming to you from the same location in Florida. And we might have to just re-record the intro. It can't be broadcasted from Orchard Park, New York and Boca Raton, Florida. Well, question. It'll be, it'll be Port St. Lucie, I believe. Will be we got a bet for next. We got a bet for uh, the round next week. Handicap wise. Um, so I played my handicap. I would say is probably around, uh, I'm about a bogey golfer. I think I'm like, it was like 19 was the last time I looked at it. I actually just had it recalculated the other day after I played Monday, but, um, what's your handicap, Ben? I've only played three rounds in the past 12 months, but apart up until then I was high single digits. I was an eight, but the last three or four rounds, I finished about 12 over. So I, I'm going to, I think we just go head to head, man. And we just see who the better golfer is for the first, first, uh, the, the first What's cross Kowalski rotational five bucks, a hole? five bucks, man. We, you, you, you feel a little cheap over there. Say we go 5,000 a hole. A hole, but uh, it'll be good. It'll be fun. Looking forward to it, man. Hell yeah. Well, any closing thoughts here? Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. Until next time, Bills against Steelers in week one. Go Bills. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that we referenced on this episode. Visit us on the web at www.freight360.net. And if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency, contact me directly. And if you'd like to learn more about me coming out to run a free complimentary sales training for your team, check me out on LinkedIn or again at www.freight360.net.